War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy Book 10, Chapter 27 Read for LibriVox.org by Ernst Patinama Chapter 27 On the 25th of August, so his historians tell us, Napoleon spent the whole day on horseback, inspecting the locality, considering plans submitted to him by his marshals, and personally giving commands to his generals. The original line of the Russian forces along the river Kalocha had been dislocated by the capture of the Shevardino redoubt on the 24th, and part of the line, the left flank, had been drawn back. That part of the line was not entrenched, and in front of it the ground was more open and level than elsewhere. It was evident to anyone, military or not, that it was here the French should attack. It would seem that not much consideration was needed to reach this conclusion, nor any particular care or trouble on the part of the Emperor and his marshals, nor was there any need of that special and supreme quality called genius that people are so apt to ascribe to Napoleon. Yet the historians who describe the event later, and the men who then surrounded Napoleon and he himself, thought otherwise. Napoleon rode over the plain and surveyed the locality with a profound air and in silence, nodded with approval or shook his head dubiously, and without communicating to the generals around him the profound cause of ideas which guided his decisions, merely gave them his final conclusions in the form of commands. Having listened to a suggestion from Davout, who was now called Prince Decmule, to turn the Russian left wing, Napoleon said it should not be done, without explaining why not. To a proposal made by General Campon, who was to attack the flèches to lead his division through the woods, Napoleon agreed, though the so-called Duke of Elchingen, nay, ventured to remark that a movement through the woods was dangerous and might disorder the division. Having inspected the country opposite the Shevardino redoubt, Napoleon pondered a little in silence, and then indicated the spots where two batteries should be set up by the morrow to act against the Russian entrenchments, and the places where, in line with them, the field artillery should be placed. After giving these and other commands, he returned to his tent, and the dispositions for the battle were written down from his dictation. These dispositions, of which the French historians write with enthusiasm, and other historians with profound respect, were as follows. Adorn the two new batteries established during the night on the plain occupied by the Prince d'Egmule, will open fire on the opposing batteries of the enemy. At the same time, the commander of the artillery of the First Corps, General Pernetti, with thirty cannon of Campon's division and all the howitzers of Dessais and Friant's divisions, will move forward, open fire, and overwhelm with shell-fire the enemy's battery, against which will operate twenty-four guns of the artillery of the guards, thirty guns of Campon's division, and eight guns of Friant's and Dessert's divisions, in all sixty-two guns. 
the commander of the artillery of the third corps general fouché will place the howitzers of the third and eighth corps sixteen in all on the flanks of the battery that is to bombard the entrenchment on the left which will have forty guns in all directed against it general sobier must be ready at the first order to advance with all the howitzers of the guards artillery against either one or other of the entrenchments during the cannonade prince poniatowski is to advance through the wood on the village and turn the enemy's position general campon will move through the wood to seize the first fortification after the advance has begun in this manner orders will be given in accordance with the enemy's movements the cannonade on the left flank will begin as soon as the guns of the right wing are heard the sharpshooters of morin's division and of the vice king's division will open a heavy fire on seeing the attack commence on the right wing the vice king will occupy the village and cross by its three bridges advancing to the same heights as morin's and gibras divisions which under his leadership will be directed against the redoubt and come into line with the rest of the forces all this must be done in good order le tout se fera avec ordre et méthode as far as possible retaining troops in reserve the imperial camp near mojesk september the sixth eighteen twelve these dispositions which are very obscure and confused if one allows oneself to regard the arrangements without religious awe of his genius related to napoleon's orders to deal with four points four different orders not one of these was or could be carried out in the disposition it is said first that the batteries placed on the spot chosen by napoleon with the guns of pernetti and fouché which were to come in line with them one hundred and two guns in all were to open fire and shower shells on the russian flèches and redoubts this could not be done as from the spot selected by napoleon the projectiles did not carry to the russian works and those one hundred and two guns shot into the air until the nearest commander contrary to napoleon's instructions moved them forward the second order was that poniatowski moving to the village through the wood should turn the russian left flank this could not be done and was not done because poniatowski advancing on the village through the wood met tuchkov there barring his way and could not and did not turn the russian position the third order was general campon will move through the wood to seize the first fortification general campon's division did not seize the first fortification but was driven back for on emerging from the wood it had to reform under grapeshot of which napoleon was unaware the fourth order was the vice king will occupy the village borodino and cross by its three bridges advancing to the same heights as morin's and gibras divisions for whose movements no directions are given which under his leadership will be directed against the redoubt and come into line with the rest of the forces as far as one can make out 
not so much from this unintelligible sentence as from the attempts the vice-king made to execute the orders given him he was to advance from the left through borodino to the redoubt while the divisions of morin and girard were to advance simultaneously from the front all this like the other parts of the disposition was not and could not be executed after passing through borodino the vice-king was driven back to the calocha and could get no farther while the divisions of morand and girard did not take the redoubt but were driven back and the redoubt was only taken at the end of the battle by the cavalry a thing probably unforeseen and not heard of by napoleon so not one of the orders in the disposition was or could be executed but in the disposition it is said that after the fight has commenced in this manner orders will be given in accordance with the enemy's movements and so it might be supposed that all necessary arrangements would be made by napoleon during the battle but this was not and could not be done for during the whole battle napoleon was so far away that as appeared later he could not know the course of the battle and not one of his orders during the fight could be executed end of chapter twenty seven recording by ernst patinama amsterdam the netherlands this recording is in the public domain